0: welcome to notes from the field presented by canon press and noeo science for all your homeschool science needs be sure to check out noeoscience.com that's n-o-e-o science.com n-o-e-o science.com all right gordon how are you
1: good how are you doing
0: doing pretty well good to be with you here for another episode of yeah. notes from the field and uh, you know one thing i've found over the years and definitely in, in chatting with you i think i've i've picked up the same thing as 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 christians as as people who are interested in, in god's creation biologists creationists we we really like to spend an awful lot of time in the garden mm-hmm. even though the bible doesn't spend an awful lot of time in the garden Right. We sure like to spend a lot of time there because it's, it's so helpful at informing how we do our trade, how we think about nature on the whole, and it, it informs all kinds of other important theology. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're going to spend a little time in the garden uh, today and I think start to tackle maybe some difficult yeah. uh, uh, theological questions. So what do you mean by the garden? You mean the Garden of Eden? I mean the you... Garden of Eden. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean this place uh, that existed. I didn't know if pre-fall. You meant our house, colt. Yeah, our house garden, our home <laughs> garden. <laughs> no, I meant, I meant the capital T garden. Capital, uh, the, the Garden okay. of Eden. Yeah, in the beginning, and uh, that uh, from Genesis one one until until the fall, mm-hmm. right? And so this is this is a very important place in time. It is very important. Absolutely. And so we're going to tackle. We're talking about uh, some specific types of relationships between uh, God's creatures mm-hmm. that we that we see today. Predator prey relationships, right. in particular. That's one. And that's, a,
1: that's a big bugaboo because yeah, we see, or at least if you watch a nature documentary, we see predator prey all the time. What are we to make of it? What are
0: we to make of it? It seems pretty. It seems pretty normal and very normal. Maybe. You could even say it seems necessary, right? From an ecological perspective,
1: exactly. Yeah, think this has got to. This is the way we're used to seeing nature. How do you keep herbivores in check? You know, uh, we'd be overrun with deer, rabbits, all sorts of uh, herbivores if we didn't have predators keeping that uh, their populations in check. Right. So we think well, predation is is a good thing, right? It's a normal thing. It's a it's, and we, we often think in categories of this is the way God made the world. Right. And we have to rewind and reassess. If that's your assumption, you need to reassess it. Because what does it say in Genesis one twenty nine thirty? You know, Genesis, Or was that one of the verses you were going to read? Yeah,
0: I'm going to open to it right now. Genesis one twenty nine and 30. Yeah. Good thing. Good to have your Bibles handy here for the show. I'm sure you guys have your Bibles not, handy. Not for a always
1: of... a Bible study, but no. when we're talking about nature, the way we see nature today is going to have some implications on how we view what nature is supposed to be. Right. Just because it's the way it is now doesn't mean that's the way
0: it was and that's right. not the way it's supposed to be. So Genesis 1, 29 and 30, My mine is King James here. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree, in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat, and to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat. Right. And it was so... That means,
1: you know, in a modern translation, you shall have them for food. Every tree... With seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food. That's the old King James English for meat. Mm -hmm. Every beast of the earth and every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he made and behold, it was very good. So we see there in those verses that not only plants and fruit and various plant products whatever seeds fruit that's what our food was now you might be a bacon, soy milk uh, almond milk you might be a big meat eater you know you might be a meat lover's pizza lover but <laughs> and we can't sometimes we can, especially if we like burgers and bacon and all of that or both we can't even imagine right a vegetarian kind of life, but we have to remember God is bigger than our imagination and he can, I mean, a vegetarian might think, oh, I'm totally sated with whatever, but meat eaters just can't imagine it. And uh, God, before the fall, that was what we had to eat. And in fact, that's what everything, all the animals had to eat. And uh, so we need to like think outside
0: our box, definitely. And and I think uh, to be to be honest, a, a good sized chunk of the world's population still has that type of diet. Yeah, I walked for a few years in the vegetarian's footsteps, and uh, and am now a meat eater happily again. Right. Um. But this isn't. It's not even actually that atypical. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is for for our culture right. here where we live. Right. Yeah.
1: So that's what he gave at first for food. And then after the fall in Genesis uh, 9, 3, well, 9, 2, I'll back up. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens and upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea into your hand, they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. Mm. And as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. So basically, God opens up the menu after the flood. He really expands the menu. And,
0: and so and this it, is it? before
1: the Mosaic Law. So, you know, the unclean, clean, hasn't, foods hasn't been established yet. Right. But at this point, animals are fair game, right. literally fair game.
0: And that wasn't a consequence of the fall. It's a consequence of this second judgment of the flood.
1: Is that, is that well, fair it, to say? I think, I think it, was, it was definitely after the flood, but the fact that we're now going to... Now, maybe animals ate each other after the fall. We don't know. It doesn't say. Mm-hmm. But the fact that we now can eat, animals can eat each other and humans can eat... Animals, right, is not something that a that was a pre-fall norm, right? And so we got to wrap our mind around that. And just from a physiological standpoint, it's just very, very easy to see the God building in the genetics, sort of front-loading the genetics of all creatures prior to the fall, so that they have the adaptability. And so when there was this change, this this metaphysical shift where now it's a fallen world, there's a shift in uh, how animals, they're not only their behavior, like now I'm a hunter. I'm not just a, a br- browser or a grazer, I'm a hunter. Right. So behavioral things needed to change. Yep. And a whole bunch of animals from all kinds of... Uh, Different groups of animals and different phyla, different classes, different orders became predators. Mm -hmm. And uh, they had to change behaviorally and physiologically, Um, little tweaks here and there in the digestive physiology. You know, different enzymes need to increase and other enzymes, you know, there's going to be different ratios of digestive enzymes that change. Right in the digestive physiology different bacterial flora yeah um, and, uh, and then and behavior obviously right and also prey we think well the prey didn't change at all but no there's all sorts of defensive strategies that probably now i'm not saying they radically shifted but maybe they looked similar very very similar but yeah now whatever they looked like before the fall now there was adaptive um there was an, a need, say, let's say they were camouflaged before the fall, just for fun. But now there's an adaptive advantage right. to being camouflaged yep. to protect uh, prey species from being eaten and all not just camouflage, but defensive postures, uh, using horns, using antlers to defend from predators or having, you know. In biology, you learn a lot about how prey species often have eyes on the sides of their heads. So they have almost a near 360 field of view. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're able to see a whole lot more. No, that's
0: a really interesting point. And so, and so natural selection, along with this remarkable genetic diversity the Lord gave to these, in. into yeah. these kinds, has allowed for some, some speciation, for some refinement refinement within kinds
1: now i think they were still morphologically meaning their shape was probably still recognizable i think a a lion was a lion right before the fall right it wasn't a wildebeest before no it it looked like (laughs) a lion and it may have had teeth like a lion yeah and still you, you may have seen your cat or your dog munch on grass just you know keep things regular or or just the roughage that they need. You know, bear, I mean, bears are omnivores. Right. But I mean, grizzly put on a lot of weight in the early season, right? By doing on a
0: vast majority of their diets, plant matter.
1: Yeah. Plant think, matter and a are, lot of grass. I mean, we yeah. normally think of bears maybe Sedges eating, eating berries, but you just can't sustain a big bear. Sometimes you go to a berry patch, you just don't get enough to even sustain you. Right let alone a big grizzly bear. Right. A lot of grizzly bears will eat a lot of grass. Now, that's
0: a great point. And I think uh, an interesting idea to, to think about is that in a blade of grass, there's enough of the nutrients necessary for life. Exactly. And the amino acids necessary for life. If your digestive system is designed for it, we anything could live off of grass. I mean, grass. look at, yeah, look at
1: cattle. I mean- yeah. Look at all that look meat. Look how big
0: they get they off get of grass. They get big and they get <laughs> beefy
1: and they and they're just eating grass. Isn't that amazing? And uh, yeah. so all it takes is just a lot of cool biochemistry, microflora in their gut. Yeah. Um and you're set with
0: And there's some lemurs, I think some primates with pretty massive canines right. that are vegetarian. Some baboons that aren't necessarily very, indicative of being a carnivore. Yeah,
1: very big canines that look for all practical purposes like an uh, a carnivore right and they're just um, herbivores so yeah so that's sort of laying the groundwork and I think we need to think about that a bit and there may be all sorts of questions that arise in your minds like how does that work you know how if there's no predator prey relationships how do you keep how do you keep the prey species
0: in check right and all of those things what are your Oh, I think God has designed some rather remarkable dynamics in, in mm-hmm. these in the way these populations interact. So maybe just to highlight a couple of the of the more well known studies that look at predator prey relationships, and and again, that's just one type of relationship we have in an ecosystem. We have a lot of other other types. Some that are symbiotic, where where they work together. Some that are symbiotic, where it's a parasite. Uh, some where it's just competition within within a group of the same species. Uh, one of the more interesting. Or historically interesting predator prey studies that, you know, the data came from the Hudson Bay Company, mm-hmm. right? So the Hudson Bay Company um, was uh, the biggest uh, pelt buyer and seller during the 19th century mm-hmm. uh, throughout North America, really. And they kept really good tabs, really good tallies of the pelts they received. Um, and so those started, those pelts started to serve as a data source for this, what became, when you look at it this way, a long running uh, study a lo- a longitudinal ecological study. And they compared going from about 1850 to, uh, 1970 or so compared number of snowshoe hair pelts to number of lynx pelts per year that came through the company. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you, if you take those numbers and map them out on an X, Y graph, right. Uh, of course you're going to have to account for the, the numbers of the hairs being much greater than the numbers of the links, but you have, Mm -hmm. you have your time on the X and you've got your numbers of pelts on the Y axis and you you, oscillate. Yeah. You see this really remarkable oscillation and we'll color the snowshoe hair population uh, curves or growth pattern in red and the links in blue. And so you can look at them side by side. And of course the snowshoe hair population numbers are much higher. Uh, They reproduce rapidly. Right. Uh, They, they can, their food source is is a veg- vegetable matter. Um, and so they, they reproduce quickly. They have short lifespans and that, that keeps their numbers always kind of pushing up. Um, but what you notice if you look at these growth curves is that you see, you follow maybe one or two of these spikes in the population of these snowshoe hares.
1: So when the hare population's Gets really
0: high. It gets really high. What happens to the lynx population? Yeah, you see a little bit of a lag effect and maybe the next season or season after you see the peak of the lynx population. Because there's a lot of f- All of a sudden, food. there's a free-for-all and there are more than enough snowshoe hares to go around for the lynx. The lynx are going to produce more. They're going to be able to feed their young more satisfactorily. Those mm-hmm. young are going to survive to reproduce and their population it peaks. Goes up.
1: So you see this rise in snowshoe hare, and then as the lynx population starts to enjoy the bonanza That's right. of snowshoe hares, their population goes up. But then when their population goes up, what happens to the snowshoe hare? Yeah,
0: the snowshoe hare population declines. And right. So and then when that declines, what happens? The lynx population declines. It's this beautiful cycle. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they're, they actually are keeping each other in check. Right. And that uh, that has remarkable downstream consequences for the rest of the ecosystem. Mm-hmm. All of the, all the other species in that ecosystem are connected in some way to that right. cycle.
1: So uh, this, this is the way the world works now. And we right. can say, this is, you know, given a fallen world, this is a great way that God has in his sovereignty has balanced nature. But how from just someone, some junior high kid says, Hey, though so if they only ate plants then the snowshoe hare and then the lynx you know didn't eat snowshoe hares what will happen is that the snowshoe hares will be overpopulated and there's no predator to keep them in check right um what what what's your have you thought through that I
0: haven't thought through that very, very thoroughly. Okay, yeah. What well, here's think? my
1: my thinking, and this again, this is thinking out loud. Yeah, is uh, that well? Number one, we we don't we know that God foreordained the fall, so it was not like it was a it big wasn't surprise. A surprise. It wasn't a surprise. Yeah. God, it, the Lamb was slain before the foundation of the world, so God knew. That the fall it was right on it was on schedule, yep. And he knew it, even though man was completely responsible for this big, um, this big plummet sin into enter, sin, 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 entered sin, the world. sin entered the world. Yeah, but someone might say, was there a non-fall contingency? You know, was there if if Adam didn't sin?
0: What would things what, be like?
1: What, what What would things be like? We can run that scenario. We can. We can hypothetical situation, and in in one sense, that hypothetical will be reality in the new heavens and the new air. Right? Uh, so yeah. it's not a unreasonable question. Yep. Even if it wouldn't have happened back in the Garden of Eden, but the th- the thing is, even if Adam and Eve did not sin, it's not God is the one who is infinitely wise, infinitely intelligent. And he wanted everything to reproduce and fill the earth. It says, uh, be fruitful and multiply. Now, it doesn't say be fruitful and over multiply. Right. Um, you know, we would be up to our ears in snowshoe hairs, and, you know, everything would reproduce if they were all eating plants. And then we'd just be, you know, wall to wall everything. Mm-hmm. And we couldn't even move because everything is just. S- So my thinking is that God built in negative feedback so that when things did fill, if they did fill, without sin, without predator prey, and they did fill the earth, and we don't know what those population levels are, what was the ideal ratio of all of the different small animals, big animals, invertebrates, vertebrates, everything, but, uh, they reach this level that is like the ideal level. And it hits sort of this carrying capacity and there's this feedback. It's not like nothing starves to death, nothing, no plagues, no, you just have this feedback
0: mechanism
1: that says shut down reproduction.
0: Yeah, the estrous is going on
1: hold. Everything goes on hold and nothing gets old. And there's no reproduction. Now, we normally l- like the thought of reproduction because, well, puppies are cute and kittens are cute. and But if everything is in perfect health and perfect, I mean, just the lion is lying down with the lamb and there is no disease, no overpopulation, perfect self-maintenance of all animals
0: perfect. Oh, it's so hard so to conceive of, isn't it? It's hard
1: to conceive. I mean, you <laughs> and me, we're biologists and we've seen, even when uh, an ecosystem looks fairly healthy, you start looking up close and you think, oh, that was a cool moose. Just a moose walked right down our neighborhood street yesterday. Okay. Nice. Big moose was grazing in the neighbors. And then I we went inside and the moose just walked right down and we think, oh, cool moose. But We don't always think of how many ticks are on that moose Mm -hmm. you know how many ectoparasites and then a (laughs) lot of animals that look cute and fuzzy and happy they're they're not complaining they might not even complain they're not whining like we do but they might be loaded with internal parasites oh yeah uh, all sorts of things that are unpleasant to the animal and they but they just unless it's really bad it looks like business as usual they they continue on now. Some moose gets so loaded with ticks that it's just um, unbearable. But it can be life th- threatening, or right. they get secondary infections and things like that. We can't even conceive of that kind of situation. But I think that it's going to be like that. We sometimes think, oh, it's all going to be ethereal. No, we will have bodies. Right. There will be animals. I believe in heaven. And there's not going to be death, and destruction. Right. Read Isaiah eleven. You know.
0: Yeah, yeah. Go to Isaiah eleven and it's
1: it's worth reading. And I'll
0: I'll just uh, throw out there, you know, the the, all an alternative scenario would be that had Adam and Eve been obedient, maybe the hamburger stand would have opened. I mean, that's conceivable as well. Maybe maybe the Lord was waiting for some reason. For uh, carnivore behavior to be allowable, but how? I don't know about the how. I mean, in the
1: sense of hamburgers, you need
0: yeah, allowing right? Maybe, maybe he was going to allow them to eat meat or hunt if they would have stayed in obedience. Do you think there's some non starters there?
1: Non starter because I think that it's not just the death of humans; it's the death of animals. That yeah, sin so brought we're, getting to, death we're the f-
0: getting to the death so, part of the matter. We're, yeah. We're,
1: and so I think that part of the consequence of the fall, all creation groans now because of the fall. That means it was all, you know, was subjected to futility. Everything now, I you know, I think the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that might've been a, an okay thing later. We just, I know uh, some theologians that say that it was just a no for temporary, right? But I think that eating meat, unless animals, you know how trees will produce fruit, and the you eat the fruit and the tree stays. There's nothing wrong with cutting down the tree either. But now this is sort of a wild and bizarre idea. But can you imagine an animal producing pieces of flesh? Like a tree produces fruit, right? It's like the uh, the I mean, underbelly of what's really
0: happening at McDonald's, right? <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy.
1: I'm I'm just thinking completely crazy, yeah. Right now, no, it's but, a good comparison. Um, you know, you see a little bit of this where a a lizard loses its tail. Now that's a defensive mechanism, but an animal might eat the tail, and the animal goes away free. So one animal's nourished with animal material but the animal didn't die. Right? So, you know, would there be a situation where in a non-fall where certain anatomical butt-offs?
0: Hard to conceive of. Hard to it conceive. Doesn't, the, it doesn't yeah. sound, it doesn't, sound it, doesn't pu- s- it doesn't it doesn't sound, sound like f- it would work. It doesn't sound right. No, it doesn't. But
1: I'm just throwing it out there. No, God I'm, could make an animal <laughs> do that. Right. Just like a fruit tree can make a thing that plucks
0: off. So do we, are are there texts you would send someone to when they have that question? Uh, a friend recently asked me the question is, so is, are we just talking about human death or are we talking about all animal death when I we think talk it's about very, the
1: I think it's fall. very clear that it's all uh, all death. Okay. Because from Romans, all creation groans, all creation subject. When you see animals suffering through predator prey, and when you see coyotes rip the skin off of a, a a fawn, yeah, I mean, you could say well there's a there's a less cruel way of killing prey, but no matter how you look at it. Even though we watch a nature doc in fascinated horror, we see a croc taking a zebra or a wildebeest down, and we go, "Whoa, that was cool!" You know, right? And and we sitting in the comfy in our comfy homes, sipping a mocha, right? Uh, watching a wildebeest being taken down under the river, we go, "Cool, yeah." Well, would you like to be the wildebeest? Right. Is this wildebeest enjoying this experience? Yeah. No, he's, it's not. They're not just furry robots. Right. They've got, they've got um, pain. They've got, and we, when we say that animals are just doing that before the fall, we're basically saying, are you saying that this is good? It says, God said he looked at everything that he made and it was very good. But when we look at the fall and we look around at the, the, the pain and the suffering and the predator prey, parasite hosts, all of that um, we, sh- we should be fine with. And I just don't think, I think all of that is a, a something that is the result of fall. Now you say, well, prove it. Um, I'd recommend you read a article. I think you can find it online by a Hebrew scholar, Pete Williams, and he wrote uh, an article called, No Agony Before Adam. Hmm. No Agony Before Adam. And a it's, it's not a scientific paper, it's a theological paper that demonstrates quite decisively that animal death is a part of the f- consequence of the fall.
0: Hmm. And that was that verse in Romans. Is that Romans eight eight? something? Yeah. One more question, if I can squeeze it in. The verse in Psalm thirty-four, I've I've heard used to um, to make the case that uh, maybe this death was only human death. Psalm thirty-four, verse ten. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger but they that seek the lord shall not want any good thing mm-hmm. and it just in just chatting with a, a a friend a possible interpretation of that verse could be well maybe is the verse saying that the prey that this young lion lacks is a good thing thereby thereby stating fairly clearly that a predator-prey relationship is good. Is that is that a text that um, that you've me, wrestled with? Where is it, 34?
1: Uh, 34.10. You, you read in Psalm 104, it talks about God providing food for the lions. So this is all in the context, yeah, they do hunger, they suffer hunger. Um, and then it talks about how he who the second part says he who what is it
0: yeah let me pull that up again i, I switched gears too quick on you uh, the second part says but they that seek the lord shall not want right. any good thing
1: right so there's a blessing that they who seek the lord shall not want not need any good good thing they 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 will be they will receive it lions don't always receive it sometimes they have to i was there in kenya few months ago and you know sometimes the f- hunt failed right and they had to go another night with empty bellies that's not a good thing and tearing down a zebra is not a good thing, yeah, it's a good thing for the lion not a good thing for the zebra right and so um the so I would really recommend no agony before Adam by Pete Williams the the other thing it says, and I, I was trying to get to this Isaiah passage. It says, Isaiah 11, 6, the wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat. Now, these are predator-prey relationships normally. And the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and little child shall lead them. Now, this is painting a picture of the eschaton, the 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 wonderful. Ultimate harmony. The little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. Hmm. The nursing child, I like this, shall play (laughs) over the whole of the cobra. (laughs) So it's noticeably, it is a cobra. It's not like, okay, in this new heavens and new earth, we won't have cobras. We will have cobras, but they will be good. Hmm. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. This is the best part. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So once we get to that point where the earth is as full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea, this is where the ultimate harmony will occur. And we will go back, probably even more glorious than the pre-fall state, mm. where all of these things that we are used to thinking predator prey are not predator prey anymore. And they are living in harmony. The carnivores are eating grass like an ox. And it's like this is great. And um, so
0: and so kind of a, a reasoning here would be that if if this is if this is good in the ultimate sense and and if this is if this eschaton is a full restoration of Eden, it must have also uh, been this way. Yeah, uh, Before, just more, more confirmation.
1: It, it will not only be restored, at least probably transcend Eden in in many ways. But I think we should just get used to the fact that the way the state of affairs right now isn't isn't ideal. Yeah, we have no trouble throwing some plants in a blender, but if if someone grabbed a I mean, this is a, a very graphic, but if someone took a small mammal and threw it in a blender alive, we would just go, we would, re- there would be this deep revulsion. Right. It's like, what'd you do that for? We can grind, we can throw a cabbage into some Cuisinart and whack it all the pieces, and nobody is going,
0: right.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> do that to a,
1: um, now, there's a way to do it in a way that's that's humane right. and not cruel. So, there's going to be better ways to do things in a fallen world that aren't cruel. But ultimately, we need to realize that God's got a m- much bigger redemptive plan, not just that our souls will be saved from eternal torment, but that everything will be brought back into that wonderful harmony. So. The veggie burgers for, are going to be awesome. The veggie burgers are going to be awesome. <laughs> you might not like the fact that you might not like that idea. But we'll get over off, it. We take our first off little, <laughs> Butting off little filet mignons off the side of a... Um, you might not like that idea. But if you think about it, birds do it like an unfertilized egg is a is sort of an animal product. Right. And no, that's so a good point. You know, maybe it's something <laughs> like that, Will. We'll have our first- maybe, It's bite. pretty weird to have these budding <laughs> pieces of flesh that drop off. No, I, I, I think if you want to laugh at that, go right ahead. But eggs are something that an animal can eat. Uh, right. Like right in the dance, the cobra, we, we filmed that cobra eating an egg. Yeah. That's not as, I mean, if it was an unfertilized egg, that's all this protein. Right. And it's not, it's not- um It's not plant, but it's not killing something either. Right. So there you go. Good stuff. All right.
0: Thanks, Gordon. Good to see you. We'll We'll see you
1: next time. Bye. Bye.